Hello, I hope you're well and in good spirits today. I'm John Martin and I give you, as always, a warm welcome as you join us on Search for Truth, your Bible teaching programme with your teacher, Brian Johnston. In this nine-week series of studies, Brian's looking into the Scriptures to see if there's any evidence that a Christian could profess Christ as their Saviour but still be lost. Today, Brian's chosen to discuss this question. Is it a case of no holiness, no heaven? And here is Brian. Thanks, John. We may sometimes hear a catchphrase such as no holiness, no heaven. It may be supported by a verse such as Hebrews 12 and verse 14 that says that without holiness, none shall see the Lord. But if we are to avoid the danger of proof texting, we need to know we are using that text in its appropriate context. And the full context leading up to that verse in Hebrews is this. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems not to be pleasant, but painful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak. Pursue the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. The writer here was addressing those who were genuine believers on the Lord Jesus. As such, they were finding the Christian life difficult, being full of hardships. It's very probable their own families had rejected these Jewish background believers of the first century, so they were really struggling. Reassuringly, the writer urged them to view these challenges positively as part of God's training programme for them. The imagery used is that of parents training up their children, even disciplining them in order for them to manage the trials of life that come later on. The writer viewed such happenings not as being a strange thing, but on the contrary, as a validation of their genuine Christian testimony and their genuine relationship to the Lord. The trials we go through as followers of Christ are allowed by God with the intention that they should shape us to be more like Christ, who suffered more than anyone else in his life on earth. Trained by God's disciplining programme, these believers, by responding to it, would come to see the Lord through sharing more deeply in his holiness. Surely the setting here is about true followers of Christ becoming matured as disciples, such that they walk with the Lord and enjoy fellowship with him, the very fellowship of his sufferings, in fact. To attempt to sum this up as no holiness, no heaven, is quite misleading, I suggest. It's saying here that setbacks and challenges are not a contrary sign for someone en route to heaven, because God can make use of any difficulty within his training programme that promotes our becoming more holy in this life, 
more like his son Jesus, and so more intimate with him. Without daily holiness, there'll be no intimacy with Christ now for those who are definitely bound for heaven. In the language we were using in a previous study, this section in Hebrews chapter 12 is about our response to salvation, not about our receiving salvation. It's about sanctification, not about justification. I think those who take the no holiness, no heaven stands do so not because they believe our own good works play any role in making us acceptable to God, but rather they hold the no holiness, no heaven view in an understandable desire to expose the problem of those who are making a spurious claim to heaven due to having made a false profession of Christ as their saviour in the first place. Our Lord, in his teaching, gave us the basic rule of knowing a person by their fruits, that is, by the results seen in their life. In other words, by the quality produced in their lifestyle. Jesus said, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then, you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, Jesus said, I never knew you. Leave me, you who practice lawlessness. That's from Matthew chapter 7 from verse 15. Those last words are most relevant to the headline question that we're asking in these studies. And that question again is, can a person profess Christ and still be lost? Jesus himself declares there will be many who in the future will say to him, Lord, we prophesied and performed miracles in your name. In saying this, they were claiming a kind of allegiance to him. But his reply, as he anticipates it here, will be, I never knew you. We really must emphasize the word never in that sentence where Jesus says, I never knew you. I say that because it's never the case that someone whom the Lord knows in a saving sense can ever ultimately be rejected. He's promised never to cast out any who come to him. There's no contradiction with that here due to the presence of the word never, as in Jesus saying, I never knew them. These persons sadly, will be lost because they never at any time had been found. That is, they never belonged to Christ, never had been drawn to him by the Father. Oh yes, they'd professed the Lord Jesus, but it's shown here to have been a false profession. To sum up what we've been saying in this study, two lives may look similar to us, characterised by sinful habits and some questionable behaviours there are two possibilities. Either 
we are dealing with a genuine believer who has quenched the Holy Spirit within them, or this is someone who is merely a nominal Christian, their profession being shallow and spurious. For them, Christianity is about ticking boxes, following rules and hoping that their best is good enough. The trouble is they've never seen the depravity of their heart. They've had no true experience of the grace of God leading them to repentance. They've never been made alive in a work that can only be done by God. I think it was evangelist Billy Graham who once said, walking into a garage doesn't make you into a motor car. And walking into a church building, even attending regularly, doesn't make you a born-again Christian. Then there's what I refer to as the biggest lie in the world. I call it that because wherever in the world I visit, I encounter this lie in one form or another. What is it? It's this. People say, when you get to heaven's door, God's going to weigh up all the good you've ever done in your life, and then he'll weigh up all the bad you've done, And if the good outweighs the bad, he'll let you into his heaven. Let me say this plainly. That's not, never, nowhere the teaching of the Bible. That's not the good news Jesus preached, nor later his apostles after him. That's not the record they left behind for us in the New Testament of our Bibles. One place in the Bible where people could conceivably, but wrongly, draw that conclusion is from part of John's Gospel where it says this. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come out. Those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life, those who committed the bad deeds to a resurrection of judgment. John 5, 28-29 By way of analogy, I want you to think of what we sometimes hear about medical studies. For example, one may be summed up as saying that there's a correlation between eating certain foods and contracting certain illnesses. Notice we said correlation. That doesn't yet mean a causal link has been established. No cause and effect relationship as such. The one doesn't necessarily lead to the other. And no more so here. For sure, there's a correlation between those who are found doing good works and those who are raised to life in the future. But their good works is not the cause of their good resurrection. Not at all. Rather, it's the faith that lies at the root of their good works. A nearby verse makes it so clear. Jesus says in John 5 and verse 24, I say to you, the one who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. There it is. After repenting of our sins, what must we do to be saved from judgment by God for our sins? The answer from the Bible is, believe on the Lord Jesus. Acts 17 verse 31.
I hope you enjoyed today's study. Don't forget to send for the helpful transcript book of all the talks in this series. You can obtain a copy of it by downloading at churchesofgod.info forward slash media. Alternatively, you can write to us and ask for a hard copy book to be posted to you. Just ask for the book for this series about salvation and don't forget to include your postal address so we know where to send it. You can use email or the post and here's our postal address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wotton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. So, thanks for sharing with me the privilege of your company once again, and I hope you can join me next week when Brian will be addressing the question, Are good works required for salvation? But now I must say goodbye with very best wishes from our Bible teacher Brian, our producer David, our singers and me, John. So see you again soon. And in the meantime, we wish you God's richest blessings.